Should you change affiliation models during challenging market conditions? That is today's question on the Transition to RA question and answer series. It is episode number 66. Hi, I'm Brad Wales with Transition to RIA, where I help you understand everything there is to know about why and how to transition to the RIA model. Uh, if you're not already there, if you head on over to transitiontoria.com, you can find all the resources I make available. I have uh, this entire episode series in video format, podcast format. Uh, I have articles, I have white papers, all kinds of resources you can uh, use to learn more about the RIA model. Uh, and for those of you watching this on video, and as I just noted, if you're more of a podcast uh, fan or podcast listener, check out the Transition to RA podcast on all major podcasting platforms where you can follow along on, on all of my episodes in podcast form as well. Again, search for the Transition to RA podcast. Okay, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about you know, the markets lately have been uh, volatile, have been rocky, the markets are down. Should that preclude me as an advisor from maybe making a change to another affiliation model or another firm? And so, <clears throat> sorry, while I talk about the RIA model, uh, obviously with all my episodes, the, the, the same kind of thought here applies to maybe making any sort of change within the industry from, from one W-2 firm to another, to an independent broker dealer, or, or again, RIA model, whatever the case is. So, I did want to give some thoughts on this of, of, of maybe how to how to kind of approach this yourself if you're thinking if you're thinking this this uh, topic through as well. So the, the first thing I wanted to go into is to is to remind you always be careful about who is given advice on this topic, who is answering this question. If someone says, should you make a change during a, a down market period or whatnot? And you always have to be careful about who is providing that advice. So I want to give you a couple of examples of that. Uh, the first one, and, and this is what I've used uh, over the years because you just, I, I think it's actually kind of comical. You see it over and over again. So I've been to, you know, dozens and dozens of industry conferences over the years, as I'm sure many of you have been to, to many conferences yourself. And so uh, there's always speakers up there and you go and you, you sit in there and then oftentimes there'll be a mutual fund manager that is up and, and, and given advice on what they think about the markets. And so we'll just pick on a, a mid cap manager. Uh, that, that out there is running mid-cap portfolio, mid-cap mutual fund. And, and the, the reality is, and, and I've been going to these conferences through all kinds of market cycles, you know, someone in the audience will always ask, or the, or the, the, the moderator will ask, you know, this, the mid-cap manager is, is now a good time to invest in, in a mid-cap, in the mid-cap space or a mid-cap mutual fund. And it doesn't matter what the macro environment, it could be the, the greatest boomtown bull market ever that that, that mid-cap managers can say, absolutely, this is the time you want to be in the mid-cap space. Or, or it could be the day after Black Friday and the worst bear market ever, that, that, that mid-cap manager is still going to say, oh, this is, this is the time you want to be in the mid-cap space. Because obviously they are in the business of having people invest in their fund, in their space, uh, and so it, I, it's interesting. I don't even know why they ask that question because we already know what the answer. The answer is always going to be, hey, should I, should I invest? Or the, the question is going to be, should I invest in, in your fund? The answer is always going to be, yes, of course you should. This is, this is the time I'm positioned for is, is right now. Um, another thing you see, which I, I think is comical, is, uh, and I don't know if it's a good job, maybe because it's an easy job or it's a bad job because you, you're just kind of, uh, everything's kind of decided for you. But the, 
you'll see or pay attention. Um, there's always some chief economist at some realtors association, and I'm not a realtor, I'm not a real estate expert to know what the, the different associations are, but, but, but you see him quoted in the press out there, and it'll be, oh, the, does, the, does the chief economist of the whatever, maybe the National Realtors Association right now, is now a good time to be buying a house? And, and every single time they are asked that question, they always say, yes, we, we think prices will go up. Now, it might be, we think prices will go up more modestly or, or more aggressively, but you will never hear one of these chief economists who are, who are supposedly given unbiased uh, expertise to suggest, oh yeah, next year we definitely see prices going down because again, that's not good for their association members, the realtors who are trying to get people to, to move from houses or sell their houses and buy their houses and those sorts of things. So you, you always have to be careful about who you hear the advice from. So with respect to today's episode of, you know, hey, should you maybe go ahead and make a move to a different affiliation model, a different firm during kind of more turbulent market times, um, a couple of people you might hear an answer from. So there are, you know, headhunters out there, recruiters out there that are cold called advisors, possibly cold calling you. And of, of course, they are going to say by default, yes, you should absolutely. This is a wonderful time to make a move because they are in the business of helping advisors make a move from one firm to another. And that's fine. That is the that is the business they are in. But you just you just have to take take it to a degree with a grain of salt that they're going to tell you that no matter whether the market's up, whether the market's down. So factor that in when you hear that coming from someone, uh, you know, in that kind of capacity. Uh, another example is independent firms out there. So independent broker dealers or the RIA space again, which is what I help folks with, but they will always tell you they are in the business, particularly of helping advisors leave that more captive world, that W2 world, a to go into a more independent space. So naturally, they're not going to suggest that there's a bad time to make that move because they are in the business of having people leave maybe that captive world and go into the independent space in which they operate. So again, they are always going to say, yes, now is a good time to be making the move. Uh, so again, you got to factor that in of where their motivations are behind that. Now, an example of kind of the opposite is if you're at a, at a W-2 firm or a wirehouse firm, you, you might hear your branch manager kind of putting whispers out of, oh, wow, you know, this is, this is not a time anyone would want to be making a change, not with, not with these market conditions. Um, and, and of course, they have an incentive to make sure they don't lose people in their branch. So they, they want to put out any sort of uh, commentary or color on the situation that will maybe scare anyone in their branch from that, that was maybe thinking about leaving. Oh, you, oh, you definitely don't want to leave under these conditions. Uh, so they have an incentive to do the opposite, to try to make it sound like, no, no, you definitely don't want to leave under these circumstances, uh, which of course is a little disingenuous because if they have an opportunity to bring someone into the branch from another firm, just as, just as while they might be saying, oh, now is not a good time to be making a change, uh, they, they will gladly bring someone into the firm, which is the exact opposite of what their advice is that they might be kind of putting out in a whisper campaign. In uh, full disclosure, I, I'm not uh, living in a glass house throwing stones. I help people transition to the RIA model. So I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I don't have any interest whatsoever in whether people make changes in their, their careers or their, their, their affiliation models, because that is the business I am in, is helping advisors make the move to the RA model. Now, what I try to do on all of my episodes is always be a straight shooter, talk about the pros, cons, and give different perspectives. And that's that's what I'm going to do on this episode uh, but, I, but I will acknowledge that is the business I'm in. So, so no one can accuse me of saying, oh, Brad, you're pointing fingers at all these people. And, and, and what about you? So 
take take uh, my advice, my feedback into consideration as you desire. But again, my goal here is to try to give you some different perspectives on, on the pros and cons of, of maybe making a move under these conditions. So uh, next up, I want to just touch on some of the commentary I hear out there in the marketplace or the answers I hear to this question and, and then add my thoughts to it because some of it I think is I don't want to say disingenuous because that maybe sounds a little harsh, but I think I think there's more perspective to it that is required. So the first one, as an example, and, and I've seen this uh, here recently, and you'll, you'll see independent broker dealers, among others, touting when asked, or you maybe in an analyst call because they're a publicly traded company, and, oh, Jesus, with the market downturn, is this going to slow recruiting into your firm? And, and oftentimes that response is, well, let, let, let me remind you, Mr. or Mrs. Analyst, we had record recruiting at the time back in the 08-09 downturn. So clearly advisors make a move during a downturn, and clearly there is interest from advisors to do so. And, and yes, that is true. And there are, there are good reasons. We'll get into some of them why making a move now is indeed a good time to be doing so, regardless of whether the market's down or not. However, the folks that are quoting Record recruited in 08-09, there's a little more to that. So I was with an independent broker dealer, a large independent broker dealer. I was in the trenches of the business development, the recruiting of that broker dealer during that 08-09 period. And, and yes, absolutely, there was a crush of interest from advisors wanting to leave maybe wirehouses or W-2 firms and, and come to this more independent space. And yes, a lot of those advisors made those moves. Uh, and yes, it was a record year or record period during that time. But the but the what's not being said, I think it has to be said, is there are reasons advisors were making those moves that, that are still relevant to today's market and should still drive activity, and I think will drive activity. However, in 0809, there was that that amplification that there were there was concern, valid concern that certain firms were going to go under, were going to disappear, and advisors wanted off the ship. Before it possibly sunk, and so the but you're right. A perfect example is Merrill Lynch. There were plenty of Merrill Lynch advisors that had no desire to leave Merrill Lynch. They thought they never would leave Merrill Lynch. That was Mother Merrill. That was going to work well for them. Uh, and then all of a sudden, they left work on a Friday, and little did they know over the weekend they came back in on Monday. Now they work for Bank of America, and and that was a a very big wake up call. That wow, if if Merrill went down as an independent firm, who else could go down? And then, by the way, Bank of America itself, the, the, during those scary times, this question was, could they survive? And so there was this en enormous exodus of advisors looking to get off of what they feared was a sinking ship that could go to the bottom of the ocean. So yes, there was record recruited during that last downturn. Yes, there are good reasons advisors are making those moves, but but it's disingenuous to to, to quote that and not also acknowledge there was also a fear of firms going under, and, and that that did amplify that exodus and, and those record results. So just something to take into consideration when you when you hear that kind of commentary. Um, next up is when you hear someone say, "Oh, you shouldn't make a move during a, a during a down market." Like, "Oh, advisors, you." You don't want to make a move during a down market. And again, I gave an example of who you might hear that from. Um, and the, the, the tricky part with that is, okay, so let, let's say you buy into that advice. Let's say, okay, if it's a down market and I'm already busy with my clients, I'm already having to kind of handhold them through you know, this volatile market. So maybe, maybe in my mind, that's, that's not a good time to be making a move. But the reality is, and I see this plenty, is when, when markets are going up, you have a lot of 
unsatisfied advisors at maybe large W-2 firms or wirehouse firms that, that want to make a move. They know they're going to be better off maybe in independent space or that RIA space. They want to make a move, but with, when, when the market's going up, that pain is a little less amplified. If, if every year I'm, I'm making more, more money, there's more compensation going in my pocket because the, the, the market's going up, my compensation's going up. Yes, this is awfully frustrating at times. Yes, I would prefer to be in a different model, but okay, I keep things aren't, aren't, aren't bad year after year because I keep making more money. So the problem with that is if you say, okay, well, if you're, if you're not going to move if the market's down and you're going to get complacent if the market's up, and if it makes sense for you to move and you want to move, well, it's not going to happen if you're going to just cancel out, oh, I'm not going to move in a down market. And the reality is for many advisors, not all, but many advisors, they're not going to move in an up market either. So you, you have to, you can't use that as an excuse. If it makes sense for you to make the move, and I'm going to finish with some, some thoughts on this, um, you just, you can't, you can't say, oh, not in a down market because you have to also ask yourself, will, will I also say the same thing, not in an up market either, because, because I keep making more money. So just something to consider there. Um, the next one, and I've, I've heard this over the years and there's, there's some degree of truth to it, but I, but it's not the full, not the full picture. So the next thing you, you can hear is sometimes a, a W2 uh, or an employer wirehouse branch manager might tell you, well, hey, in, in a down market, aren't you glad that the, that the fixed costs of running the firm, like for instance, the, the lease on the office, wow, that is not your responsibility. That's, that's our responsibility, the firm. And so we're the ones that have to keep eating that, that fixed cost. So as, as if the market's going down and your production's going down, well, you're not the one having to eat that fixed cost that's, that's staying static. And, and that is functionally correct, that in that down market, that fixed cost stays where it is. As your variable compensation, you're you're on a payout. If is the as your production goes down, your your income goes down, but you're not having to cover the fixed costs that that the firm will. And so that is functionally correct. However, what is not said by those same folks is, well, what happens when the exact opposite happens? So when the market goes up, which historically speaking, markets go up more than they go down, and certainly over the long term, that oh. Hey, advisors, you grow your revenue, grow your production, and your variable compensation uh, tops out at some percentage. We'll, we'll even be very generous and say it's 50%. I've done all kinds of articles and episodes of how that's it's not really 50% after you factor in all the, the, the specifics involved. But let's, for argument's sake, let's say it's 50%. And so if, the, if one of the big costs of, of, of providing you the services needed to run your practice is that fixed office space, which again, they're touting, oh, aren't you glad you don't have to pay that? But on the way up, when the market is going up, which again, historically over time does happen more than it goes down, well, the firm then gets the opposite. They get to benefit of capping their costs because it's per, this is a big chunk of fixed costs. So as you make more and more revenue for the firm and you've topped out perhaps at 50%, what's not like if you double your practice, they don't give you double the office size. They don't give you double the health benefits. No, they get to benefit, as they say, from operating leverage of having those fixed costs that you keep generating more revenue for them, increasingly more revenue, and their fixed costs stay relatively static, where that's one of the big benefits of the RA model, where you can control those fixed costs. You can benefit from that operating leverage on the way up. So yes, it is fair to say, hey, when the market's going down, yeah, it's, it's not as ideal to have fixed costs. But again, are you, are you playing the long game here? Is it more likely that the market for the balance of your career will go up 
than it will down. And if so, you want to be the, better, the one to benefit from that operating leverage, not some other firm that you're working for. Uh, and then the last just kind of uh, comment I hear out there uh, that I'll add some thoughts to is, is you do see, and this is more for folks touting a wirehouse to wirehouse move is, oh, you, you should, this is a great time in down market to, to make a move because you can, you can recapitalize your personal balance sheet with a, with a new big bonus check by changing firms from, from one firm to another. Uh, kind of meaning, hey, if you're, the value of your deferred comp has gone down or your, or your 401k has gone down, well, wow, that, that, this is a great time then to make a move and get another big bonus check and, and recapitalize your personal balance sheet. And I, and I would just say, if, if having to make a move however many years, every eight, nine, 10 years, if you're going from one on wirehouse to another, is if it's required for your personal financial plan and for yourself that you have to get some big bonus check to, to, to uh, fulfill your personal goals or fill in the gaps of your personal balance sheet. That, that's, not a, that's not the way you want to do these things. If, if it makes sense for you, to, and your, for you and your clients to move maybe from one firm to another, or one, one affiliation model to another affiliation model, that is where your motivation should be. But if you find yourself having to make the move because of your personal balance sheet is, is struggling and you need this this extra capital coming in, I hate to say, it, but you're essentially selling your soul. And that's just not a long-term strategy for yourself, your practice, or your clients. So anyone that's saying that, again, they it's easy. And again, uh, maybe a, a cold caller recruiter that's called you up and, oh, wow, you, now's a great time to get that big bonus check. Again, they are in the business of moving you from one firm to the other. I get it. It makes sense. They're just doing their job. But you have to ask yourself, if that is your main motivation, uh, is that a good long-term strategy? And, and by the way, and I've done a separate episode on this. I've written a lot of articles. That that big upfront bonus check is not nearly what it seems when you consider the alternatives available to you. So I won't get into that because that, that will that will triple the, the length of this episode. Um, but it's something to consider and just something to be aware of. If someone's touted, oh, now's a great time to take a big bonus check. Uh, just kind of uh, consider the motivations of whether that makes sense or not. Uh, so I wanted to finish with some thoughts. So I've kind of been critical. I've said, oh, these people, these people have different motivations. And oh, these people are saying these lines. And, and I'm, I'm maybe sitting here rebutting those lines. So I did want to give some thoughts, add my voice to the conversation. Um, and, and with just a couple of variables to consider. So the, the first one is, you know, if you're saying, hey, is, is now a good time to make a move? And, and if someone's asking me this, the first one is say, hey, is it is it business as usual for your practice? And so uh, over the last couple of weeks of the advisors I talked to, I often say, hey, how are things going with you and your clients and your practice and in the market? And sometimes there's some big, big down days in the market and then it whipsaws back the next day. And, and a lot of advisors tell me, you know, it's, it's not really a big deal. We're not actually hearing all that much from clients. And then the reason is because they have long since ingrained in their clients, hey, we are, we are investing for the long term. Markets will go up. They will go down. This is part of the cycle. Uh, and, and as a result, their clients are not freaking out. Their clients are not concerned. And, and yeah, there might be a few more conversations or a few more phone calls or other cases than, than normal, but it's, it's not this big influx. And so if that is your situation, it's business as usual, why should this necessarily alter a plan you might be putting in place to, to change firms or change affiliation models? Again, assuming you have the right reasons to do it, the right motivations, that if it's business as usual, hey, that, that, that's the status quo, that you should continue on the path you were on uh, previously with looking at different options, perhaps. 
Um, so kind of related to that too is, and, and I'll use the term is investment thesis. So sometimes you hear this about someone justifying buying into a particular company or mutual fund or whatever the case is that, that they have an investment thesis that, hey, I'm, I'm buying this stock because of these attributes and, and what I think the future will bring for that. And, and then the, the question is, okay, well, if the market goes up or the market goes down over time and you revisit revisit it, okay, should I still hold this position? Oftentimes people talk about, has your, has your investment thesis changed? Does Whatever the reasons you bought that stock in the first place, does it still make sense to, to, to hold that stock now or buy more of it or whatever the case is? And so how that would relate to looking at different options is as you've explored, hey, should I, should I go into that RIA model? Has, and if it makes sense, which it does for many advisors and the better economics or better flexibility, whatever the case is. And, and if, that, if that is a fit for you and that does make sense, well, just because the market's gone down, has that changed your investment thesis, if you will, of why you are motivated to make that move and why it, it might, may or may not be better for you and your clients? And again, if it's, if it's business as usual with your clients, to a degree, I get it, it's, it's you know, maybe a few more phone conversations, and your investment thesis hasn't changed, why should you not necessarily continue on this path and, and make a change with your practice for the reasons you have mapped out on a long-term rationale of why it makes sense to be making that move? So, so consider that. Has the reason changed of why you may or may not do it? If, if it has for some reason, then hey, maybe it is a good time to, to take a pause. If it hasn't, again, don't let that trip you up on, on maybe making a change that's better, again, for you and your clients. Uh, the, the next thought I'd point out uh, related to this is also be careful about remaining in the status quo. So if you are with a, uh, again, I, I keep picking on W2 firms or wirehouse firms, but, but it's, it's an easy contrast between a wirehouse firm and say an RA model, is if we'll say you're at a wirehouse firm now and the market's down and, 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 and you kind of ignore what I just said about investment thesis and as a business as usual, and you say, well, no, I just... I just, I think I'm just going to hunker down and, and kind of stay put. And maybe the status quo is a little more safer for me in my practice right now. But the, the reality is if the market stays down for any reasonable amount of time, if you are at a large firm, particularly a large publicly traded firm, this will start to impact you because that the shareholders of that firm are not going to just simply accept lower profit margins lower revenue, lower income. Yes, on a short term, we don't need to, they don't need to make uh, you know, uh, whipsaw decisions about how to cut costs immediately or increase revenues or, or, or whatever the case is. But as, if, if this extends out and the market stays down for a little while, they will start to make changes. They will either more uh, kind of force you to maybe by uh, compensation criteria, to increase revenue by cross-sell and banking products or whatever the case may be, or they'll start to squeeze you more on your how your payout is calculated, or maybe it's more shared resources of sales associates, but they will have to find a way to make up lost profits from when the market was higher. So, so don't think the status quo is necessarily a safer alternative. If you were already frustrated by maybe the service you were receiving or the economics and the way your payout was being squeezed, don't think that's going to just magically get better. It's not. If the market's down and stays down for any period of time, they will have to make adjustments at some point. And so the question is, if costs have to be adjusted, if uh, revenue has to be reevaluated, whatever variables you want to do, will you have more flexibility 
to control that outcome is with your own practice under an RA model, your own independent practice where you run the PL, or are you comfortable just relying on your existing firm now and the existing shareholders to decide how that will be managed? Again, if it's going to impact both models, would you rather have more control and more flexibility over how to manage that? Or would you rather let someone else do it for you? I think you can kind of understand the doing it for you is generally not going to be in your best interest compared to potentially the flexibility you could have to, to, uh, to adapt better under your own independent model, your own RIA. Uh, and then the, the last thing I'd say uh, is, is just don't use a down market as a reason to essentially kick the can. So if, if you've considered, for instance, going into the RA model, you've talked to someone like me, you've understood the model, you, you understand the economics, the flexibility, what it would look like for your practice. And if it's made sense and you say, hey, yes, that is something that I want to do. Yes, that's going to be better for my practice. The, the, it's very easy to just come up with some reason to kind of kick that can. And so when, when I get asked often, hey, what's the number one thing stopping advisors from making a move to the RA model? And it's easy. It's, it's inertia. It's, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a whole process. But when you come out on the other side, you've, I've never heard an advisor say they regretted it and they wish they could, they could go back. Yes, yes, it is a process to get through it. But if anything, advisors just say, I wish I would have done it even sooner. And so the thing is, if, if you're in that situation, you do want to make a move to that model. You, you do want the, the, the independence, the flexibility, the economics. There's all kinds of excuses you can use. And even in up markets, people have excuses of, oh, well, this or that, and I'll just push it out six months or 12 months. And, and, and many of those advisors never make the move. And maybe that's fine for them, but, it, but it's a shame if there's a better path for them, if they, they, they know it's a better path, they want to be on that path, and you just kind of use arbitrary reasons to kind of kick that can. So if you've got to conclude it's business as usual, my investment thesis hasn't changed, I know I'm going to get squeezed if I stay put. If you just mentally say, well, I'm just not going to make any move because it's a down market and you don't really have a further justification than that, I, I would challenge you and say, you're just kicking the can. Will you ever make the move? Uh, if, you, if, 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 if you're going to use that kind of excuse, uh, is there ever a time that you would make the move? And just to show that I, I practice what I preach, when I, when I started my firm, it was in the middle of COVID. So there is no perfect time to be leaving. And I left a you know, corporate job. Uh, with health benefits and a salary and all those things and, and said, hey, I'm going to take the leap. I'm going to start my own business as well, which is what I talked to advisors about the idea of, hey, you start your own business, you go down a path. And, and, but I practice what I preach. I, I made that move. Yes, it's scary. Yes, there's a lot of variables involved, but there's no perfect time. And so I could have kicked that can and said, well, this is not a good time to be doing this because of COVID. And, and then I would have put it off for who knows how long. But then there would always be some other excuse. And so at some point I realized, and so that's where I can kind of practice what I preach, that, okay, if I'm going to make a move, if I'm going to start my own business, which is what I desired to do, I either do it or I don't do it. If the reasons make sense, I either do it or I don't do it. So as you consider, should you make a move? Again, there's a lot of advisors that should not make a move under any circumstances, uh, up market, down market, that it's just not a fit for them. Or maybe they are already in the best place possible for their practice. So I'm not, I'm not trying to give the impression that, oh, everyone should make a change because that's not the case. What I am trying to say is if it makes sense for you to do and you've done your homework, you've done your research, don't, don't just arbitrarily say, oh, well, the market's down, so I'm just not going to do it. Make sure there's a valid reason for why you do or do not proceed, whether near term or long term. 
so with that, like I said, my name is Brad Wales with Transition to RIA. And, and this is the sort of thing I help advisors understand is that that more macro level is, does it even make sense for me to make a move to that RA model? How does that RA model work? What is this flexibility I keep hearing about, Brad, you keep talking about in your episodes and, and, and how would the economics work? And, and by the way, if it is a down market, how do I control the, 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 uh, the expenses of my practice compared to the control I would or would not have now? And so that is what I help advisors with all day long is helping through all these variables of that RA model. Uh, happy to have that conversation with you as well. Uh, for starters, if you're not already there, again, head to transition to RIA.com. You can find my entire uh, episode series, again, video format, podcast format, I have articles, I have white papers. Uh, and then the easiest thing to do is at the top of every page is a contact link. You can click on that. You can instantly and easily schedule time to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me to talk about anything I've talked about in today's episode or anything RIA related in general. Again, transition to RIA.com. With that, I hope you found value in today's episode and I'll see you on the next one.